Welcome to this week's episode of Soccer Neophytes Podcast. It was an emotional weekend. Christian Eriksen returned. Major implications for Ukrainians and Russians in the Premier League. VAR loves City. And we have some popular teams that are in trouble at the bottom of the table. And the title race continues. Fellas, we have a familiar hey, hey. voice on here that hasn't been on for a while. That's right. Guess who's back? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Kyle Neophyte from season three is back. Um, still no Kemi. Kemi is long forgotten. He's active on Twitter, so we know he's alive. He does uh, yeah. text in our, our group thread now and again. Um, I don't know if he's watched any soccer in the last like three or four months, but, uh, but Kyle's back. I don't know if Kyle's watched any soccer in the last three or four months. I'm back. The leads bat signal got called and I jumped into duty. I'm coming to you live from the 63rd floor of the Encore resort in Las Vegas, but I had to chime in and talk about what the heck is going on with Leeds? We fired the god Bielsa, and we're going to talk all about it. We are. We're also going to talk about a big, big week for Liverpool. We're going to skim right over uh, the midweek just to spare Kyle's feelings uh, <laughs> yeah. and jump to the weekend. Tim, crazy match yesterday. Yeah, it was great. <clears throat> But before we go there, I think we have to talk about Ukraine. Um, I don't know if we've talked about it a ton. I think we've, I've, I've for sure mentioned it at some point here and there uh, over the years of the podcast. But having lived in the Czech Republic and having uh, friends, many friends who live in Ukraine, Ukrainian and American nationals, um, uh, Personally, this has been a really challenging five days for me, just thinking about my friends and thinking of uh, the implications for all of Central and Eastern Europe and, and being a big fan of history, some of the, uh, the similarities between what's going on here and what happened uh, in the Czech and the Sudetenland in, in 1939. And so been personally emotional and uh obviously not as personally emotional as it was uh before that Everton uh Man City game but a beautiful display from the Everton fans uh to support the Ukrainians of which there were there were two one for each team in that match uh Zinchenko uh, I think the more commonly known player from Man City but then also uh, Mikolenko for Everton and, uh, yeah, guys, did you, did you see some of those scenes? Yeah, I saw that scene before the game of the two of them walking out to the middle of the pitch and embracing, and you can just see how raw, how raw the emotion is for both of them. Um, but it's so great to, to hear the crowd cheering them on. And I know that meant a lot to them. 
Yeah, the the Ukrainian flag unfurling, yeah. the t- big tifo in the in the crowd, like just just beautiful support. I mean, I think symbolic of really the way the world has come around yeah. Ukraine, right? In yeah. in pretty strong fashion. And I don't know. Uh, thinking about you know, we're not a history podcast, but although to, we've often joked about our different uh, side podcasts that we've we've rolled over <laughs> into in the over the years, but I think a lot about like how for all the the negative aspects of social media, uh, this has been one of the times I felt like real beauty in social media, and I think like had social media existed in 1939, does the world rally around the Czech and the mm. Polish people, you know, and, and mm. against Hitler? Is it more, is it an easier way to kind of rally uh, a, a cause and give voice <laughs> even to those who may, might be in the opposition in this country? Cause you do see a lot of Russians who are, who have been emboldened to, to protest the war as well. And, and so, so seeing that on the football pitch, kind of to bring it mm. back and see like, yeah, this is a like microcosm of the world, a, a game that is a worldwide game. Right. And in this mm. stadium, there's Ukrainians and British and probably people from all over the world, African nations represented. Um, we won't get too political to talk about why doesn't the world rally around some of the other mm. atrocities in the world, yeah. <laughs> although it should be at least acknowledged, but, but at, in this instance, we should celebrate what's good. And that is, you know, people coming together to support, support the, the Ukrainians. So. Mm. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that, Nate, you know, the, how social media is a really a net good in this case where it's given us an insight into um, not only seeing the tragedy that's in, unfolding in the Ukraine, but seeing how that is just affecting the lives of individuals there. I mean, I think of that video that was passed around of the dad putting his daughter and his son on the train to escape to safety while he stayed back and fought for his country. And, you know, I was on a work call literally weeping um, trying to press mute on zoom because I was just couldn't hold back, you know, the emotion. And that would have been so different right back before social media. And, and I often think of that as, uh, you know, social media as a negative, but in that case, it really allowed us just to see and empathize and, and hopefully, um, because of that, make some change, um, with what's going on there. But again, to bring it full circle, I think that is the beauty of sports too, is for those of us who have played sports, it's always given us an insight into different cultures, into different people and given us commonality where, um, you know, you, you learn to, to love and embrace and join uh, on the pitch and in life with people who are different from you. And I, you know, I wish so dearly that that would have been experienced by, but others, right. And on a, on a global scale so that things like this wouldn't happen. But um, yeah, it's, that's, I appreciate your insight there. And soccer was played though this weekend in spite of it all, or maybe, you know, it, it's important. And so uh, Everton valiantly fought against city, uh, but city was not to be denied 
maybe not because of their own skill, but of the skill of those crafty VAR officials. Uh, a handball by Rodri ruled not a handball. Um, and even some confusion among commentators. I've seen all of this. Like I wasn't watching the match. We had uh, flag football, which has inter- interfered with much of my soccer watching over the last couple months, but uh, seen most of it like, after the match, uh, Tim, I, were you watching the match? Yeah, I was watching when that happened. And it was, I mean, so I think you can, I would say you can forgive the official on the field for not, for not making the decisive call because of just his angle. But when it goes to VAR and it's not given, it's ridiculous. It's, it's really crazy. Um, but the commentators, so the commentators are basically saying, like, oh yeah, this VAR is reviewing this. This is a handball. This is a penalty. This is like clear. And then when they ruled that it wasn't, the somehow the conclusion or somehow the message got passed back to the commentators that it was an offside call. So that's what I went with. I was kind of, okay, I didn't see the offside. They didn't show that replay. But so we know after the fact that didn't factor into the ruling. Um, it's, it's kind of preposterous. <laughs> It really, it's a really, is. really bad call, well, especially and, the fact that they watched it on VAR. Like they, they went and watched it and said no. Well, and this is this is where, okay, we can argue about VAR all we want, and I think there are solutions that we've proposed on this podcast about if we're going to have VAR, having a centralized VAR, like where it's the same people every week. Don't have one VAR who's at each stadium. Like have a centralized VAR in London and. They make all the decisions to create some consistency because you guys won't remember this, but I surely do. Jao Matinho got called a red card. The ball hit his upper armpit. I remember called it. a red against City and Wolves lost to City 1-0. It's, I mean, a less egregious handball than the Rodri one goes City's way in that instance with Wolves and now goes their way again. So there's no, there's no city love here on this podcast. So no one to argue their, their side of things, but um, certainly there's, there's problems with VAR. I feel like we made it through a lot of the season without a ton of VAR controversy. I do feel like there's less controversy, but still these type of decisions just it, they, they can't happen. They're, they're going to ruin they're, I don't know if they're going to ruin the game. That's, that's too strong, but it definitely like leaves a sour taste in your mouth around certain games when, when it seems so clear. Right. And when it's a team that's in, in the relegation battle versus a team at the top of the table and Everton should have drawn, they should have gotten a point against city and, and now they're a step closer to being relegated. So big implications. Yeah, there's real, yeah, there's real implications for the, for these decisions. That's right. Lampard, I, I didn't see his interview, but I read his comments afterwards. And he he said a number of things that were all really good. And then at the, at the end, I think it's kind of like maybe some British understatement. And I don't I can't tell you the tone of voice he said it, but he said, it's incompetence at best. At worst, who knows? <laughs> which I think is he's like a little too responsible to do what you do on the pod date and allege a giant conspiracy, but, uh, but like he's going there, right. <laughs> Without going there. 
I love my soccer conspiracies. I try and keep it only to soccer. <laughs> yeah, that's a good rule. That's a good rule of thumb. Well, <laughs> there was another emotional uh, moment this weekend. Christian Erickson returns to the pitch for the first time since his public, very public heart attack during Euro 2020, um, which that seems like a long time ago unless we remember yeah. that Euro 2020 was played in 2021 and really quite remarkable yeah. that he's, he's already back on the pitch and great scenes there at Brentford uh, with them welcoming, welcoming him on the pitch and just such a heartwarming story to see him back. Well, they, my understanding is from what he's said is his heart stopped beating for something like five minutes when that happened which is just incredible that he's alive. Yeah. Much less out there. Um, just really hope he's really hope he's okay. Yeah. It has, it had the, has the feeling of kind of the Raul Jimenez um, yeah. Yeah, return yeah. where every time Raul would go up for headers, I was nervous, you know, and uh, it feels the same. Like I'm happy for you to be out there, but gosh, this makes me nervous. Well, we do have Kyle on here, and I do think it's it's important that we talk about uh, about Leeds United. Uh, we talked about Everton. Everton is towards the bottom of the table. I think Everton is just above the relegation uh, line, which is is really remarkable. They're they're only a mere point above Burnley. They have the same amount of games. Um, but more troubling probably is the fact that Leeds is only a point above them. So they're two points clear, but they have, uh, two more games than both Everton and Burnley. And so Kyle, last time we had you on, uh, you, uh, you talked about breaking off the engagement was kind of what you were saying, but we felt like it was more like you were filing for divorce because you, you chose this team. So uh, Kyle, how are you, how are you feeling now with their place? And then we'll talk about the big news after that. Yeah. Listen, that was, I was speaking very emotionally. I was trying to plead with my significant other to turn their life around and but at the end of the day, I, I can't leave them, right? I'm, I'm tied to leads. I picked them. Um, and so this is until death do us part, even if, even if that means until the, we go to the championship. Um, nevertheless, I, I'm firm with leads. We can talk about Bielsa and how things are going, about getting outscored nil to 10 this week, uh, which I, I don't think is it's not ideal. Like you don't want a week like that where you get outscored zero to ten. Um, That's a good defensive about. football game, American football <laughs> game, ten nil. But yeah, uh, you know it's less than ideal. It's less than ideal. Like it could have been worse, I, I suppose. But um, but no, I, I'm with I'm with leads. They're my ride or die. I roll with leads. Um, but but I do. You know we can talk about. Well, Kyle, I'm glad you said that. Um, I need you to turn. We're, we're on Zoom right now. And so the listeners can't hear this. Kyle has his camera turned off. Kyle, I need you to turn your camera on again real quick. 
because I'm glad, I'm glad that you said that because, um, Chris and I have a gift for you. I wanted to give it to you in person when we had coffee, uh, when we were supposed to have uh, lunch the other week, but, um, I'll unveil it here. Oh my goodness. Oh yes. Hey, Patrick Bamford, our listeners can't hear it, but we got, we got Kyle Patrick Bamford leads, but not just, you know, that if you order from China, you don't just get the the top, (laughs) but you also get the bottoms. So right. The full kit, the full kit. So what the listeners don't know is I'm six, four and about five feet of that is leg. So those, those bottom of those kits are just going to be beautiful um on my yes. thighs so yeah. it's gonna be it's no. gonna be sweet you're gonna have to you're gonna have to start wearing the the full cut full kit wanker to hopefully save them from relegation that just in time that's amazing thank you so much nate. oh you're, you're welcome you're welcome nate nate actually let me know he's gonna overnight it to vegas so you can wear it to your conference tomorrow <laughs> yes that would be great That'd rushing be great. it straight to fedex tonight well uh Kyle we can jump straight to American Watch because that's right uh we're not going to talk about any footballers we are going to talk about the third American in the history of the Premier League to to manage at the Premier League yeah. level obviously Bielsa was sacked after the 4-0 defeat to Tottenham uh, but today it was announced that Jesse Marsh has stepped into the reins to to take over Leeds United. Um, maybe we can wait on the Jesse. Maybe you can you can share some final thoughts on on Bielsa. I know he was a significant factor in you choosing them last year. So take it away. Yeah. Well. So with Bielsa, when I first heard that there were rumblings, I guess I wasn't surprised with how the season's gone. Um, but I will say I was – my my first instinct was pretty disappointed, right? I thought that um, this is a guy who everybody has enormous respect for. He led us to the promised land, led us to the Premier League for the first time in, you know – I think it's 16 years, um, had a very solid finish last year. And then this year, uh, you know, significant injuries to Patrick Bamford, Cooper, Phillips, you know, significant uh, guys who we lost for chunks of the season. And, you know, I kind of felt like Bielsa wasn't getting maybe a fair shake. Right. Um, and, and that if this is the guy that we believe in, let's stick with them. Because one thing that I have noticed over uh, now a couple seasons following the Premier League is that Premier League team, Premier League teams seem to get rid of their manager very, very quickly. I don't even think that's controversial. I mean, I think the tenure of managers in soccer is incredibly short. And I don't necessarily agree with that philosophy. And so I felt like that was maybe true with Bielsa as well. Um, However, 
thinking about it a little bit more, diving a little bit deeper into the rationale, it started to make more sense, right? Bielsa uh, was incredible. He delivered exactly what we hoped he would deliver, right? He got us to the Premier League. He reestablished a culture, reestablished the name of Leeds, and that is what he's great at. And now it's time to move on. In fact, it might be actually potentially we should have moved on sooner. Um, but I think Bielsa is exactly who we thought he was. I think he's a coach who can do those things. He can establish a culture and an identity for your team. And he can take you to heights that you would not have been able to achieve without someone who deployed his tactics, deployed his strategy, had his confidence. However, I think that what we've seen historically, if we're being honest with Bielsa, and now this is playing out with leads right now, is there is a, a cap to the heights he can take you to. And there's also a duration in which his style can work successfully, right? And so, you know me, I love to do American sports analogies. And so to me, Bielsa is the Mike D'Antoni uh, of of Premier League, right? And then you compare him to Coach K, right? Who Coach K can adapt styles. Coach K can uh, change the way he recruits. But Mike D'Antoni, former Suns and Knicks basketball coach, has one style, seven seconds or less. Yep. And that's incredible. And, and it's going to take you to higher heights than you can get to. But there's going to be a, a cap to that and a duration in ter terms of which you can succeed with that. I think the same would be true, and this is why I was hoping Chris was on today, but with Cliff Kingsbury, who's the coach of the Cardinals, right? In some ways, Cliff Kingsbury hmm. took the Cardinals farther than they'd been in a long time, right? Mm -hmm. They made the playoffs. They were super successful. I don't know that you're going to win a Super Bowl with Cliff Kingsbury, right? And so I think coming back to Bielsa, I think that I've come to grips with he, he is what we needed to get out of this drought of being out of the premier league. And he got us there. He established identity, but I don't know that we were ever going to get any higher than we've gone. And clearly that the time has run out for his effectiveness, despite the injuries. Um, that doesn't mean he's not a great guy. That doesn't mean we're not thankful for everything he's contributed. I mean, I read uh, one anecdote where he, uh, donated over a hundred thousand pounds to build the non-playing staff, uh, a new gym at the new training grounds. And so I think he was universally liked with leads. Mm. Um, but I think that there, you know, are, are three types of people, right? There's people who know who they are. There's people who don't know who they are. And then there's people who can continue to adapt. And I think what we're seeing is, is Bielsa is someone who we know who he is and we're really appreciative for, for where he's gotten us and leads. Um, but I don't think his style and, and, and in fact, emphasizing style over substance uh, is something that is going to carry leads, you know, to continued success in the Premier League. So I, I can say more, uh, you know, about our new manager uh, once we get to American Watch. But I will say, um, 
as much as I loved Bielsa, and I think with good reason, because I don't think Leeds would be in the Premier League without him. And I think that Leeds should be forever grateful for that. Um, I think that this was the right time, clearly, uh, to move on. And I'm excited about the future. Hey, Kyle. Um, so I don't, I didn't pay close enough attention to all the circumstances of the injuries. I know it's a long list with Bamford probably at the top of that list, but um, it's hard not to make a connection from like a speculative connection from afar. That's like Bielsa's style of play just wears players out and runs them ragged. And then, and if, so that's the one part of the question of if you think that that's kind of a big factor, but then the other thing is, I think I remember hearing that Bielsa prefers a smaller squad. Um, so I don't know if that's true or if the owners just couldn't afford or wouldn't give him a bigger squad, but like how much do you think injuries and a small squad played into Leeds sitting just out of relegation right now? Yeah, it's a great question, Tim. And, and, you know, again, I am a neophyte obviously in this area, but one thing I do think I, I think about a lot, right. Is I, I I am a coach at heart. And so I actually love coaching strategy. And so all this that I just kind of went through is like catnip to me. And so uh-huh. your, question, your question is great too. Um, and so from what I've been able to gather, the, where, where Bielsa, you know, kind of, uh, so again, what he's great at is establishing a team with an identity that can get more out of less, right? Patrick Bamford for his, successful as he was last year and as much as I think his presence would have benefited the team this year and will in the future before this run he wasn't necessarily thought of as this great striker but Bielsa's style and Bielsa's you know confidence that he instilled with him made him better and he made leads better than the sum of the parts and I think that's what he was able to do I don't personally buy in to uh the uh, well i guess i say at this point i I haven't it's hard for me to buy into the theory that his style wears players down based on what i've read and researched the more plausible scenario that i kind of latch on to is that when it comes to the offseason and the transfers and them now not just having to have a roster that can get to the premier league, but having to have a roster that can compete in the premier league. He was very hesitant to, to sign or get transfers who are premier league quality. And Mm -hmm. I think that they have like, they, they intentionally didn't go after some guys who probably should be on the roster because he had a specific style of player that he was looking for. And, you know, if you can play fantasy football, you know, or, or fantasy sports, maybe you can relate to this. I think Bielsa tries to find the diamond in the rough um, maybe too often. Whereas sometimes mm-hmm. you're like, I just need a guy who, can, <laughs> who I know can play in premier league. Right. Cause yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. So I think that that is where honestly they, they came up short between last season, which was, pretty successful in this season is they didn't improve the roster to get it up to premier league quality. Um, be, and that's a Bielsa problem because he yeah. wanted a specific style of roster. It's interesting to hear like a lot of your comments and I don't know what 
a lot of, I don't know if this is just common language used by Premier League fans when they're, they get rid of a, a beloved manager, but <laughs> a lot of what you're saying sounds a lot of like the Nuno issues. Hmm. Small squad, didn't adapt. God, it yeah. took us to heights we'd never, you know, thought we'd make it to. Um, but had like a cap on him and hit and Nuno hit his cap and was unwilling to change his style and um didn't bring in the right guys, blah blah blah. Like a lot of it's mm-hmm. so interesting. Similar. Yeah. So, and obviously we have similar like stories from each club. It's pretty storied clubs who were out of the Premier League for a long time or back in the Premier League had great success. Um and then weren't able to maintain it and got rid of beloved managers. So it's interesting. Yeah. And I think, uh, man, I, I was checking out where wolves is in the table. And if we can, if we can rally like you guys have this year, that that'd be, that'd be great news for next year. So yeah, wolves, wolves had good opportunity. We're not going to take a lot of time to talk about it, but we have been talking about this kind of top four I mean, take looking at this top four race and, Wolves had a great opportunity to, to stay in that race and they failed miserably tough loss to Arsenal two to one, and then lost to, to West Ham over the weekend, miserably, like grossly, like really, it was a horrendous match to watch. They just looked toothless and dull and it was very, it was very hard. So there's still got chance for Europe, which is great. And I think top four was always a big, a big pipe dream stretch for, for wolves, but we're still in the race for, for a European competition, which is great. And they've still far exceeded uh, almost all of our expectations. I think a top 10 finish was, would have been like, everyone would be pleased with. So the fact that we even were still in the top four conversation until maybe yesterday at noon, <laughs> you know, mountain standard time, uh, was pretty remarkable. So, um, but yeah, let's talk about, uh, let's, let's actually stick with American watch. We're going to go straight to American watch. And, uh, since we're talking about about leads. I do want to hear Kyle, your thoughts on Jesse March Marsh. I'll give a little introduction. He's the third American to manage at the premier league level. The first, the famed, maybe the most known American manager ever, Bob Bradley. He was former U uh, S men's national team manager. He, he managed at Swansea in 2016 for just a hot minute, his, his time there was very short lived. He won two, drew two and lost seven. He didn't even make it a full calendar year there. Um, and then I didn't realize this, but David Wagner, who's I think German by nationality, but grew up in the U S uh, managed Huddersfield town from 2017 to 2019. So my first year, the first like half of the season, uh, and I guess not surprisingly, that was my like most neophyte neophyte days. Uh, I'm sure I didn't even watch Huddersfield town <laughs> in those first few months, but 
Uh, he's an American manager. I, I had almost forgotten that Huddersfield Town was in the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That sounds like a fake team for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a fake team. Well, they were not. They're they were and are still a real team. I think they in the championship. They do in the championship still. Um, and they had an American manager for almost two full seasons. He went 11, 11, 15, 11 wins, 15 draws, and 34 losses. So American managers have not fared well in the Premier League, but uh <clears throat> Leeds brought in Jesse Marsh. Uh he had really successful stints at RB Salzburg and RB Leipzig. Um, and that ended, I think in December, January this year, um, by mutual consent, whatever that means. (laughs) So Kyle, you have this new American manager, uh, give us your thoughts. Well, I'd be lying if I said I knew what to expect. Um, I, I, you know, how do you know? Right. Uh, But new is new, new is shiny and exciting. Um, I also think it's funny when, you know, something like this happens where you're watching the premier league and there's very few, uh, Americans playing, you just laid out the history of the American coaches, but then your club hires an American coach and you're American. And there's this patriotic little thing inside of you that gets super excited and um just you know wants him to succeed and um maybe even if we're being honest like just assumes he that yeah this is the right hire he speaks he has the same accent as I do um and so you know it's kind of fun and exciting and it's relatable I think is the word right that's why it's that's why it's those things it's it's relatable um he seems to have had success in other places. I think most notably in the MLS, which I don't know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, but then got some opportunities in Europe and um, I think has a mixed, mixed results there. Um, the other interesting thing that I don't know if, if you noticed, but <clears throat> he played in college at Princeton. So an Ivy leaguer. So uh, theoretically a smart guy, um, good at tests, good at tests at the very least. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, those Princeton guys, they, they kind of have a reputation too. So no, I don't know. I, I think here's what I like from what I've, where I've read is he has a similar style to Bielsa, um, with more nuance, right? That's what they're selling right now is this is, this is a guy with a similar style but he's going to not just sell out for aggressiveness, not just sell out for offense. He's also going <laughs> to sprinkle in some defense and sprinkle in some other strategies. So um, I will say from a, uh, from that standpoint, it makes sense, right? This isn't going from to bring back the, the basketball analogy. This isn't going from Mike D'Antoni to um who they go to next Porter, some Terry Porter. And it, it isn't just switching gears and, and going all the way back. It's, it's keeping what our roster was built for. Um, but just adding in some, some new layers to it. So I think it's worth a shot. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, 
obviously as Americans, it's nice to have Americans in the premier league. And I, I am hoping for success and there's not a lot of, there's, you know, the U S men's national team and U S soccer has improved and quite a few Americans playing in the top tier, uh, divisions right now, whether it's premier league or Bundesliga, um, but not a lot of managers. And so it'll be interesting to see how that shapes out. And, and especially a team like Leeds, which personally, and I think our, our podcast mostly enjoys and would like to see them stay up. Uh, they're a storied franchise that we want, want them to be in the premier league. So yeah, I'm hoping it works out and Leeds can, can stay out of the relegation zone. Kyle, you mentioned there's a similarity between his style and Bielsa's style. Do you know is what his plans are for the bucket? Like, will he keep the bucket, <laughs> sit on the bucket, walk past the bucket? Do we know that yet? It's just a bigger bucket. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, we've made it this far, Tim, and I'm sure you're chomping at the bit to talk about uh, a very epic we're, we are going to skip over premier league though it matters like uh liverpool is within striking distance of of city still that's exciting and great and it's we all want a a title race here on the pod but yesterday carabao cup final uh even though as chris likes to say no one care about it uh <laughs> it was remarkable i only got to catch the extra time and the, and the shootout, but, but what a match. It was such a crazy match. I mean, it, it's, it's wild that it went full time, 90 minutes, and then another two 15 minute halves without any goals scored. It could have been four, four, five, five, like so many goals, both teams had at least one, maybe a couple goals disallowed for kind of very borderline offside. One where Van Dyke was uh Matip scored and, and, and Van Dyke didn't touch the touch the ball, but he was interfering with play in an offside position, which was not a foul and was not like obstructing line of sight, which are the other ones I've seen, right? Like, yeah. And, and so it's like, it's kind of, I mean, you know how those are in set pieces or whatever. It's just like a mass of people moving. And I'm like, he's holding him. He didn't, didn't look like it to me, but super really close, like razor thin calls, keeping it nil, nil going to a shootout. And yeah, the Lukaku, my, the Lukaku one, the Lukaku offside is like, fractionally offside. And there were so many of, there were so many of those where I was just like holding my breath. Okay. There's the flag. The flag went up so many times, which I think is a testament to both squads defenses discipline, right? Like, they weren't breaking their line. They were holding a really tight line and, and guys kept going offside. Um, especially Chelsea, Chelsea kept going offside a lot. Um, but it was just a thrilling game. And I, I will say like the Carabao cup final is not normally like appointment viewing for me. Um, but obviously with Liverpool playing and Liverpool against Chelsea, right? Like apart from city, these are the two clubs that have won silverware recently and repeatedly in the premier league. So the premier league and other cups and tournaments. So um, really, really good game. Just, I, I was 
there was so many nerves. I was pacing in the room and then it goes to the shootout. And right before that, Chelsea brings in Keppa. So Mendy, phenomenal all game. Right. And he's won the starting role. And then Kelleher, our backup keeper. Yeah. It was, it was Klopp's loyalty. And that was so criticized. Like I understand showing loyalty commentators were saying, I understand showing loyalty, but in this game for a trophy against Chelsea, you have to start your best squad. And Klopp started Kelleher out of loyalty, presumably. And, and I will say Kelleher's looked great every time I've seen him when Allison's been injured and he's come into a league game or in these cup tournaments, uh, he's been fantastic. And um, so anyway, so to bring Keppa in just for this one thing, and then and you they, know, and then you they know that Keppa is like supposedly like yeah. a shootout, like expert. Totally. That's his thing. That's, That's his, his thing. thing. And he did it right. Like through 10, 10 guys. Well, he didn't do anything. He didn't right. stop one. In fact, yeah. I would say he didn't do anything. He, he single. But neither did Kelleher. And it wasn't, I totally. would say either of their fault. So no. um, there weren't any like laughable gaffes or any whatever, but anyway. Um, so then to come down to the keeper, I don't think I've ever seen that before. I've heard it talked about that. Like you can get to that point where it's the keeper and then you start over. I'm like, this is insane. So just to see him sky it, I was really pumped. And one well, really Kelleher, excited. you got to talk about Kelleher just smashed just it home confidently, strikes <laughs> it home. I mean, it was a savable shot. It wasn't like he pumped it into the corner, but right, but kept it strong. Ice and, in his veins, ice in his veins. And then Keppa just, I mean, yeah. it did make me think a lot. I, I, it did get me thinking a lot about like, the psychology like sports psychology not and i'm gonna i'm talking i'm talking about it like the the reverse of what maybe you're thinking or even the popular term sports psychology i'm not talking about someone who doesn't have it mentally and then chokes i'm talking about the opposite like uh what is going what's going on in a young man's mind who yeah. has been highly criticized because of how much money was spent on him. Yep. And then, I mean, he was the high, he might still be the highest paid keeper in the premier league and he doesn't even start for his club. Then he comes in to do this thing. He's an expert of, and he skies the ball over the net. Well, that's not the thing that he's an expert in. Well, I know, but he's still, but that's I'm something saying, that neither Keller nor him have ever practiced probably. For sure. But what I'm saying is he's still going to catch the, the criticism Absolutely, on yeah. social media. So yeah, that's yeah. what I mean by sports psychology is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. what's it like for a young man to be one of the greatest athletes in the world and just people hating him. Yeah, and what does that yeah. do to a guy who, again, like all, like the highest heights of being this like really expensive keeper for one of the greatest clubs in the world. And then to just like, fail quote unquote at your job and the pressure that must be for for someone in that position you know yeah totally well I think of back to the the Champions League final 2018 against Real Madrid um we had uh Loris Karius was our keeper for that game and he had been kind of a backup keeper so he wasn't he wasn't seen the way Kepa was seen when he was signed for 100 million or whatever um, but he had, he let in those two goals that he shouldn't have let in 
and he may have been concussed before it, but you just, I just thought about that all the time after it. Like, I hope that guy is okay. I hope he has people around him giving him hugs, <laughs> reminding him there's more to life than football, but it's brutal, right? Totally. Totally. A great victory for Liverpool. First piece of hardware handed out for the season and, and Liverpool. And hopefully not it. the last. I mean, I will just say, um, one of the articles I was reading, I hadn't realized this, but it made the point that Liverpool have lost just two of their last 50 games in all competitions. So like when Wait. we talk about have lost just two of their last 50 in all competitions, we haven't lost in the champions league. We haven't lost an FA cup. We haven't lost in Carabao. So those two losses have come in the premier league, but still it wow. says their consistency is breathtaking we think of city being the team whose consistency yeah. is breathtaking. Yeah. And it's true, right. They're at the top of the table for a reason, but this is a, like, it feels like I will say after Wednesday against Leeds, that felt like Liverpool at their height yeah. that we saw a couple years ago. And then to beat Chelsea, a very good Chelsea team, right? Like they were, it wasn't that Chelsea was not playing well. They were playing really well and they're very talented. So yeah, I do wonder just kind of what kind what kind of a boost this gives the club that the mojo is back, the magic is back, the momentum is there. It's it'll be exciting coming down the yeah. stretch. Yeah, it will it really will be. Uh I do want to to chat about Chelsea briefly. Uh Kyle, you considered Chelsea. Uh you even told us a couple weeks ago or a month, couple months ago that Chelsea was enticing you again, but Chelsea's in an, a, a very interesting situation now with uh, Abramovich, Russian owner, oligarch, billionaire, um, owner of the club, basically handing over the, the operational reins to a nonprofit. I think if I, if I remember correctly, um, he's still the owner, but because of some of the, the backlash and, uh, and this starts to get into some financial stuff that I don't fully understand, but some of the freezing of Russian assets in the UK, I know they're trying to put pressure on Putin through, through suspending the bank, the banking systems, all the Russian banks in, in the UK, I think have been shut down. Um, there's been a lot of movement. So I don't know how many of those things matter, but then I was reading articles about uh, some that some speculation, or maybe it's fact that, that Abramovich was a financial backer for, for Putin in a lot of his early uh, political career. And so obviously there's, that's super problematic and probably not something that, that Roman is willing to <laughs> admit to, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Chelsea over these coming weeks. Uh, Tuchel came out pretty critically of, of Russia. Um, you got to imagine the players in the clubhouse. There's, there's got to be some, some psychological stuff happening there and just some challenges with, with your owner, with those nefarious links and paying your paycheck and even taking money from, from 
from him. So I don't yeah. know, guys, any, any thoughts there? I, I just think that this is when being a sports fan really sucks <laughs> is when you realize, you know, at the end of the day, being a fan is rooting for people who you can't control and maybe don't like and rooting for outcomes that you can't control. And it really sucks, especially when you have a bad owner. And you usually that just means that the owner won't spend money or makes bad choices on, on your roster. Um, but occasionally it means they're not a great person or a really bad person. And that really makes the experience, you know, just suck in a lot of ways. Even, even if sometimes you're winning, it can, it can, um, you know, really dampen, um, that, that experience. So to get to, you know, kind of zero in on your question there, um, honestly, it's one of those things where, you know, to go back to the analogy of, um, Leeds is my wife. Um, when something like this happens, you realize, man, I have a beautiful bride, Andrea Rod Renazi, the owner there, um, is by all accounts a stand-up guy, really great family guy, um, nothing like a Russian oligarch. Um, so I could not be happy, happier um, with our ownership and the and my choice. And so, but but it's, in all seriousness, it's fun to root for a team when you feel like the people who run it, the people who are on it, um, are people who you want to root for. So um, I, I kind of feel for Chelsea fans in this, in this case. Yeah. I think that we, you and I have talked about this Kyle offline quite a bit about the, the like morality of, of sports fandom and how do you support a club or, or players, or should we actually support players more than clubs or teams? Yeah. There's, there's a lot beyond behind that. And how, and how do you celebrate greatness uh, when it's not on yeah. your team or when you're the victim of, of greatness, right. Or your team's the victim of greatness. Um, but, you know, I think I have to, I don't know about Fosun, but they're a Chinese owned wolves are Chinese owned. That doesn't mean like they're by default bad, but, uh, but China itself has not come out very strongly <laughs> and has have remained rather diplomatic uh in this whole process to to neither support nor uh decry putin's and russia's move so um yeah it's 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 interesting fortunately wolves have a lot of players and a manager that are really likable and seem to be good but again we don't know we don't know their backgrounds we don't know their histories uh, we, you know, things happen and then you have to make choices and decisions based on the facts that are presented in front of you. And, uh, ownership's one thing, players are the other managers are another, and hopefully we have teams that we can support where those things don't interfere too much. Well, let's, uh, there was a red card, red card. Over the weekend, uh, Brentford, if they didn't have hard enough time, uh, but Josh, Joshua De Silva with a brutal tackle on Matt target 
uh, leg breaker, as they say, just, it wasn't, it didn't look intentional, but, but he came in very hard and missed, didn't touch the ball at all and got tangled up with targets legs. And he got a straight, straight red, which maybe led to, to, uh, Christian Erickson eventually coming on, but, um, Brentford, another team that has just struggled of late Brentford leads and, and Everton seem to be the teams that are really in the poorest form. Um, even though they're not, none of those three are in the relegation zone, but they're definitely making that relegation race interesting. Yeah, they are. Well, let's do the lock it in review where I continue. I am maybe uh, the, the Brentford of, of our, our league. You're in uh, relegation form, Nate. I am in serious relegation form. I took Wolves over West Ham, which was another loss. I didn't count how many losses in a row, but I do remember at one point, I don't know if I won, was I 10 and 0? I don't know. I had won a lot of the first matches I had predicted those correctly and I'm now 15 and 11. So you I can, think the, I think the scientific term is precipitous free fall. Is yes, that the is term the scientific term. So I'm in bad shape, uh, almost as bad a shape as Chris. I might be picking first next week at this rate. Chris had Liverpool over Leeds in a makeup game and city over Everton. He moves to 14 and 12, just one game behind me, I am very ashamed. And after the hot start I had, and Tim, you took Tottenham over Leeds, which led to Bielsa's demise and gives you a very comfortable cushion at 19 and seven at the top, four games ahead of me, five over Chris. Chris had the first pick. He is not here. He took City over United. He's staying on that City bus, picking against his own team. That shows uh, how much he believes in City. I had second pick. I took Liverpool over West Ham United, believing in that uh, 48 out of 50 wins. I guess losses, right? They've only, they haven't lost. Only two losses. Yeah, lost. a couple draws. A couple draws That's, in there. I still think they're going to win that match. And Tim, who are you taking? I'm against all rhyme or reason staying on the Tottenham bus. I'm uh, taking Tottenham over Everton. I did say in our group chat, this may be the last time I can pick against Everton. Um, So I'm taking Tottenham. We have a lot of football this week and this weekend, the FA cup with uh, which Wolves leads and Manchester United have all fallen out of only Liverpool remains out of the, the soccer neophytes, but uh, there's quite a few champ. uh, There's quite a few premier league teams that are playing Uh, city plays Petersburg crystal palace plays Stoke city Tottenham plays borough Chelsea plays Luton town Southampton and West Ham face each other Liverpool and Norwich face each other and Everton and Borum Wood, a lot of teams that none of us have ever heard for heard of. So hopefully we'll get an upset here in this fifth round of FA Cup ties, and in the quarterfinals we'll see 
some of those lower division clubs continue. And then over the weekend, we have the Manchester Derby, which is always exciting. And uh, I also think Liverpool versus West Ham, theoretically, would be a good match to watch. And big implications in both of those games. Big implications in both of those games. Any other last-minute words, gentlemen? Let me say this really quickly. We didn't cover goal of the week. Um, there were oh, a yeah. couple of really good contenders from Tottenham, actually. Um, Kane and Son's goals. But they were both like combos where the assist and the goal combined was really impressive. Um, it was Hoiberg assisted Kane and then Kane assisted Son. Got to dock some points for the kits they were wearing. Those mm, purple. The galaxy, like, purple galaxy like, kits. Yeah, they look a little like old bowling balls to me. <laughs> the speckles, but... Uh, yeah, but there are a couple nice goals. Nice. I didn't see enough goals this weekend. The matches I watched, I don't I think I only saw one goal and it was the West Ham goal against Wolves and it oh. was like the least impressive. It might rank as the worst like least impressive. Yeah. Just defensive calamity and pretty much a simple tap in. There was a lot of nice strikes in that uh, that shootout, though. Yeah. Well, guys, Kyle, enjoy Vegas. Okay. Your night's just beginning out there, so go have fun. <laughs> I got to figure out a sports book to bet leads win the Premier League next year. There my odds. Plus two thousand for leads to win the Premier League next year. Yeah. Oh, it's. I bet it's plus ten thousand. It's worth ten bucks for the ten spot. Jesse Marsh. Jesse Marsh. <laughs> we'll they have fun. Pull Lester, I know it. Dude, that'd be amazing. All right, guys. Well, without Tim here, there's no one to root out. So we can just close with Jesse Marsh. Jesse Marsh. Adios. <laughs>